This is the Sooner Scooter Show on the Harlan College Sports Podcast Network. I'm Eric G. from 97.1, the sports animal in Tulsa. Coming up on this week's episode, the OU defense raised a few red flags against UCF. Is this just a one-week glitch, or is this something that we need to be a little bit more concerned about as the Sooners get ready to take on KU? KU does a lot of the same stuff that UCF did. So how does OU make sure they don't fall into the same traps? Brent Venables will tell us. Also, we'll talk about OU's running backs, and I'll tell you why it seems like Brent Venables and Jeff Levy are annoyed with everybody in that running back room. We'll give you a couple of players from Kansas to watch, and we'll talk about the Michigan sign-stealing scandal. We'll hear from Brent Venables on that, and I'll tell you who came out looking the worst in that whole scandal. But before we get to any of that, do us a huge favor Give us a five-star rating, write a written review. All you have to do is click that fifth star. It's just that easy, and the review helps us give give you the content that you want. You take a screenshot of it, and you email it to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com, and Pete's going to send you back a Heartland College Sports koozie. It's very cool. So make sure you get on that. Uh, It helps us out, and we're giving you something for your time and effort and just taking time to listen to us. So OU knocks off UCF. They're 7-0. And I can't think of any OU fan that was happy about that game. I I think the best way to describe it for both OU players, coaches, and fans, and even us in the media who were in the press conference on Saturday, was relief. You're just relieved that, that, that OU got past this one. And one of the major issues with that game was OU's defense because we know that they, against certain teams, you expect them to give up big plays. You expect them to give up big plays to a team like Texas. Kind of halfway expect them to give up big plays to Kansas, who they have to face this week. But UCF, UCF hadn't done anything in the Big 12 before Saturday. And of course, they also hadn't had Jonathan Rice Plumley, which made a huge difference. And then what do you know? As, as OU's defense was cruising along in the first quarter, the second quarter comes around. You give up a 54-yard run to R.J. Harvey, which sits up a touchdown. You give up that 86-yard pass to Baker where he blows the kiss on the sidelines. There should have been three. I, the way I counted it, there should have been three unsportsmanlike conduct calls on that play. Refs only gave OU one. And in the fourth, in one drive, you give up a 34-yard pass and a 19-yard pass. So, or at least plays of 34 and 19 yards. Why did this happen? Well, according to Ted Roof, according to Brent Venables, but mainly according to Ted Roof on Saturday, it's because the guys weren't sticking to their assignments. Oh, you had worked on this all week prior to the game, and I'm sure the week before you had watched film on UCF, and they knew what was coming. They absolutely knew, but for whatever reason, they weren't getting lined up correctly. They weren't playing their assignments. They were biting, and it led to some big plays for UCF. And now we got to wonder, okay, one, is this OU defense as good as we thought they were at the beginning of the year, or is this just is this just a glitch in the system? Okay, is this just, just one of those things that happens throughout the year where you play bad, you still figure out a way to win, but you learn and you grow from it. And you got to think this week against Kansas, OU's going to come out hungry. I mean, it's the best case scenario for Brent Venables. Team wasn't very good. And like he says, he gets to go chew some butts out 
for for this week. He gets to remind guys that you're not where you want to be right now because you were giving up these big plays. And a team that you were an 18-and-a-half-point favorite over found their way into the game, had a chance to win it, and at the very least could have tied it up at the end at overtime had you not had you not practiced for that two-point conversion and known that that was coming. This thing could have very easily gone the other way, but the bottom line is, is that OU won, and now when you're facing Kansas this week, another explosive offense in the Big 12 who can put up a lot of points and is going to do a lot of deception the way that UCF did, you wonder, did the defense, did, did OU's defense actually learn its lesson from, from what happened with Kansas or are we going to have a case where two weeks in a row, OU's giving up big plays, and because Kansas is a better team than UCF, ultimately it costs them in the long run. So how do you get past this? All right, what do you do to make things better? All these are questions that you're asking. Well, Brent Venables has some answers about Kansas's eye candy and what the defense can do to get better. Play well. Uh, we, we, we draw everything up and we, we rep it every week because, again, professional courtesies, they're going to, uh, they're all looking at explosive plays that you've given up and uh, they're going to put it in their Rolodex. You know, that's just what teams do and uh, justifiably so. So our job is to, you know, fix some of the, those mistakes and the issues that we had and uh, make sure our guys are, are comfortable with what we need and want them to do to execute at a high level. A lot of times there's not a magical formula. You know, we get caught up in, um, well, in a day and age of catchphrases. One of the biggest catchphrases we always talk about are halftime adjustments. You know, what adjustments did you go in and make at halftime? And, and, and I, this is just me on this. This is just a strict opinion on this. I feel that coaches are obligated to talk about halftime adjustments, say, well, they were doing this, so, you know, we decided, we decided to go with this. And it certainly helped us come out and win the game or certainly helped shut down what they were doing, and I'm not saying that that stuff doesn't happen, but a lot of the times your halftime adjustment is simply play harder. And if you don't believe me on that, you can ask my co-host Pat Jones because I know what you're thinking. It's like, well, why? How do you know that? You never played college football, no? But I talked to a lot of people that played college football. I've been covering college football for a very long time, and. We all blew up at how, like, I'm old enough to remember Howard Schnellenberger saying that he didn't believe in halftime adjustments or thought that was crap, and everybody went nuts. Well, we've always heard about these halftime adjustments, and you figure out what the one the other team is doing so you can go do, you know, the opposite on defense or offense or, or do whatever you have to do to get it right. And really, sometimes it is play harder. That may be the adjustment this week. You have the one thing, like, I guarantee you, guarantee you this week film session was miserable it had to be miserable whether it was laser pointer whether it was just pointing at the screen you know there were a ton of guys in the secondary that got called out there were a ton of guys on defense period that were in the wrong place that got called out and it was probably it probably hasn't been fun up to this point because these guys it's probably been physical Guys have had things drilled in their head. Now you're playing a quarterback in Bean from Kansas, who it looks like, yes, it looks like Jason Bean is going to start this week. It's not going to be um, Jalen Daniels. Either way, you still got a dual threat guy 
And OU doesn't want to find themselves in that position again. So Brent Venables got, got Brent Venables got a gift he was wanting. He gets to keep a win. Perfect record stays intact. But you get to explain to guys, if, if you're going to be better, you're going to have to practice and play better. And you hope that it's just a one-week situation where you're coming off the bye week, it's a little bit of a hangover, and everybody's been telling you how awesome you were because you beat Texas. And we had worried about that. Another red flag that popped up on Saturday was the running backs. Now, I give Jeff Levy a lot of credit, a lot of credit for sticking with the run, wanting to do what looked like more design runs, wanting to hammer the ball at UCF. And you should have. They're a terrible, they are a terrible defense. I mean, Kansas ran for over 300 yards on them. You should have been able to just run the ball down their throat and have a lot of success, and you just didn't. I mean, one, because Marcus Major got banged up, and you could tell when he had that hurt shoulder, Major just looked slow on Saturday. There are times that he – and look, he's not the burner, some of the burners that we're used to seeing around Oklahoma, but he's not a slow guy, but he looked slow on Saturday. And then you had Gavin Sawchuck, which seemed to have to get cranked up in order to be good. Tywee Walker out because of the in-house suspension. And then uh, Javante Barnes, from what I understand, OU wants to redshirt him. So Javante Barnes isn't really going to get that much of an opportunity to tote the rock. But what you've got at OU is three running backs, all three very different skill sets. But there's not a single great one in the bunch. But let's take this a little bit further, because if you listen to Brent Venable's press conference on Saturday after the game, when asked about what was well, when when asked about Marcus Major and him playing hurt and was he banged up. And one of the things Brent Venable said was, hey, he was available. You know, he was available. So so we played him. The way that came across to me is that there are a lot of guys in that running back room who don't want to play when they're hurt. And it's one thing to be injured. It's another thing to be hurt. There's a lot of guys that don't seem to want to play that with pain. I have nothing to back that up. It's just my opinion. But Brent Venable seemed annoyed by that, and he seemed to be annoyed when he was asked about Gavin Sawchuck needing to get cranked up because he brought up the Cheez-It Bowl. Hey, this guy didn't need to get cranked up in the Cheez-It Bowl. He was off and running from the word go. So why does he need to get cranked up now? What exactly is going on there? The other thing that I've always speculated in this is how you're figuring out who's getting the most carries every week is based on who does well at practice the week before. It's not necessarily a rotation system as much as it is, okay, well, Tywee Walker had the best week at practice, so we're going to give him the ball more on Saturday. Well, this week it's Gavin Sawchuck. And if that's the issue, then you've got a lot of inconsistency amongst that position, which, bad news, that does not get worked out before the end of the year. OU's running back situation isn't magically going to change anytime soon it's just something that you have to work around and what you just don't want happening is the bulk of the yardage being obtained by Dylan Gabriel because you are leaving him exposed to take a huge hit even if you've got a guy like Jackson Arnold behind him you still don't want Dylan Gabriel injured so you've got to get that running you've got to get the running game to a point where you can run not just when you need to, but whenever you want to and you need to make positive yards. I don't know. 
that OU is going to be able to do that. And I would like to know who's making the decisions on who starts every week. And Brent Venables gave his answer on that and where he thinks this position is um, earlier this week during his press conference. Uh, DeMarco's the CEO of his position. Um, ultimately, all the responsibility is, is mine. Uh, I'm not sure if I've ever had a, a head coach tell me who I can start and who I can't, as long as everybody's in good standing. That's, you know, the position coach. Uh, you know, you, you, that's why you pay him, you know, to make those decisions. But certainly, hey, get so-and-so in the game. Uh, you know, things of that nature. And a lot of it's based on what they do at practice. And there's a body of work always. And uh, uh, but, you know, Gavin uh, did some great things uh, as, as the game went along, and we know what he's capable of, and uh, this is a game of doing, and we need those guys, uh, you know, that room, I believe, uh, when we're playing like we're capable of playing and uh, in all phases and all the, the different areas around them, uh, you know, that should be a position of strength for us. Hey, it's interesting that Brent Venables made the comment that he's never had a head, head coach tell him who to start. Because ultimately, it is the head coach's responsibility to make sure that the best players are are on the field and you as a team have the best opportunity to win. It's not that he doesn't trust your judgment, whether you're a coordinator or a position coach. But he has to talk to you. He has to listen to your evaluation. He has to watch the film. And he also has to be the judge of talent. And maybe because you're a guy that's younger than him, He's seeing things that you're not seeing from certain players or not seeing in this guy behind. He may see something in a guy that you've got down the depth chart where, where he'll, he may tell you, hey, you need to get this guy a few more reps. There's something there. Give him an opportunity. Why aren't you giving him more reps? And then you go through the explanation of why you're not, and maybe he takes that as, okay, you know what you're doing. We'll just move on down the road. Or maybe it's more, hey, I'm the head coach. It's my job to get the best players out there. Give this guy more more of an opportunity. I'm not saying Brent Venables is doing that with DeMarco Murray, but head coaches are well within their rights to do that. And that's one of the reasons why I'm usually against head coach being, you know, being the boss at a college program on top of being a coordinator and calling plays for one side of the ball because you have to be as plugged in on offense, defense, and special teams. You've got to be equally plugged into all three phases of the game, plus run the program. That's a lot for for hardly anybody, for anybody to handle. Um, but I do believe that Brent Venables does trust the judgment of his of his coaches. And if I had to guess right, look, I'm not if I had to guess right now, it feels like Gavin Sawchuck is going to be the guy that, that that's going to get most of the carries the rest of the way. But saying that feels foolish because as sure, sure as you do, even though it was reported this week, Tywee Walker got into an argument with one of his coaches. It's not that far-fetched to think that Walker couldn't be the guy. Uh, but just at some, at some point, you need to be able to just run the ball when, whenever you want to and control the outcome of a game. And I was a little stunned. I was more stunned than what I saw on offense on Saturday than I was on defense, just because I thought OU would have way more success on offense than they did. I mean, finally, late, some things got going, uh, but it was too long, and you just cannot have that against Kansas, or you won't, or you won't win this week. It's just, it's, it's really that simple. 
Uh, speaking of running backs, uh, Kansas has got a couple of guys that you definitely need to watch, which brings us to our weekly Who Are You Watching segment. Um, actually, we, we kind of float this around, but if you listen every week, we give you a couple of guys to watch. On offense, it's the Booth Brothers. I'm assuming they're called the Booth Brothers because it was voted on by Kansas fans and because, well, the name of Kansas Stadium is is Booth Stadium now. But Devin Deal, 5'11", 215. Uh, this kid's pretty amazing. He's already rushed for 659 yards this year and six touchdowns. What amazes me is that he's averaging 7.3 yards per carry. Kansas as an offense is averaging 7.2 yards um, per play. Brent Venable said something about 10. I saw in the Kansas notes it was like 7.2. So Devin Neal's averaging more per run than Kansas as a team as a play. And also he's on pace to actually that, – that yard – okay, it's not a very sexy stat to me. And again, I'm not a stat guy. But if he stays on this pace, he'll surpass Gale Sayers for most yards per play in Kansas, which is pretty freaking cool considering the fact that uh, I consider Gale Sayers the greatest ever wear uh, a Kansas uniform. Uh, combined, him and Daniel Hyshaw, who's out of Moore, Oklahoma, have combined for over 1,000 yards. This kid, 5'10", 220, a little bowling ball of a back, uh, rushed for 134 against UCF. And average 6.4 yards per carry. So these guys are going to be a handful for the OU defense. Kansas is explosive. They are physical. Do not sleep on the Jayhawks. Here's Brent Venables on handling a guy like Devin Neal. Yeah, I mean, again, there. We at times we've been good, and at times we haven't been good against everybody. And and so, uh, are really. Um, Obviously, for us, you know, and Devin's a, a, an outstanding player. Man, he can house call it at any point in time, and uh, he's one of the the guys. That it's to me, everything kind of goes through him. And uh, uh, you know, our guys are. I think they're our guys are um, confident in in our scheme. They, I feel like they 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 have a much better understanding of our scheme. Here we are going into to, to game eight. We should. And uh, when we're doing all the little things right, you know, we're hard to run on. and because we got good players, and uh, but when your guys get nosy or guys uh, uh, don't do the right things from a fundamental standpoint, or they have the eye crimes uh, that was talked about earlier, uh, bad things usually happen. You get exposed, and this game punishes you for for those things. So that's really instead of focusing on a guy, we really focus on us and again our process and how we play well, regardless of who has the ball, quarterback, receiver, running back. And, uh, you know, with all due respect, but great, great challenge. Um, he's one of them. Every once in a while, you'll face one that you can get away with maybe not doing all the little things right. This is a, a team, and he's a running back that if you don't, he's going to make you pay. Player I'll tell you to watch on defense, and it's mainly because of his name. It's Kobe Bryant out of Evergreen, Alabama. Uh, this kid was defensive player of the year back a few weeks ago when Kansas destroyed BYU, had a fumble return for a touchdown and a pick. Uh, luckily for Oklahoma, there's only one Kobe Bryant, and there's way too many receivers for him to, to cover. And I really would like to see Nick Anderson uh, continue to be part of the game plan. Had another couple of touchdowns last week. I love that you're using Jaleel Farouk like Debo Samuel the way that you did last year. Line him up a running back, line him up a receiver. It's all about making sure that your best players or your best playmakers get the ball in their hands. 
And OU does do that in a timely manner with Nick, Nick Anderson, and they do that with Jaleel Farouk. Again, things people just, you know, they get all over Jeff Lebby. Again, I fail to see what Jeff Lebby does so bad or so wrong as an offensive play caller because when you know, hey, I've got two guys that are this good, he makes sure that they get the ball, which is what a good offensive coordinator does. Real quick, I want to wrap up with the biggest story um, in college football, and that's the Michigan cheating scandal. And you know who looks the worst in this whole situation? Okay, it's not Jim Harbaugh, who's certainly going to face a suspension. His team may not get to play in a bowl game. Uh, there's a very good chance that they lose scholarships. I mean, hell, Jim Harbaugh could be out for a year. Um, it's not Connor Stallions, the Marine captain who was caught filming, uh, who was also the guy that was uh, stupid enough to buy tickets for more than 30 games at 11 Big Ten schools over the past three years and not do it in cash, which was probably the biggest thing. Um, there's also video evidence of sideline taping that's being sent to the NCAA. So Connor Stallions, while looking bad, Still doesn't come out looking the worst. It's the Naval Academy. The Naval Academy lost more than anybody in this because Connor Stallions is a Naval Academy grad. And when you think of Naval Academy, you think of the best, brightest in America. Of course, you can say the same thing about West Point or the same thing about Air Force, but dummies don't work their dummies don't work their way into the Naval Academy. Okay, dummies don't get congressional appointments to the Naval Academy, but this guy was stupid. And if this guy had his eyes set on some CIA crap where he was going to take all this evidence to the CIA and say, hey, look what I did for Michigan. No one knows about this. Look what I can do for you when I go spy on Russia. Yeah, his career in espionage just went absolutely up in smoke. Um, God, these guys are dumber than the Patriots getting caught with this. Anyway, Brent Venables, every coach is being asked about this in America. Here's what BB had to say about sign stealing. Sure is part of it. I think people are finding all different kinds of ways to uh, uh, to prevent it and to try to get a, gain a competitive advantage. I think you see a lot of people huddling and things like that and sending people in and uh, you know uh, to the sideline. But I don't know how prevalent it is uh, or isn't. And um, uh, with tempo and pace, uh, I think it makes it all really hard. And uh, but you see every probably about every game uh, in college football where the, the signal stealers on offense and defense uh, are, are all shielded uh, to try to keep people from the press box that might be looking down with binoculars from getting the leg up. About people being on the other side, though. And, oh, yeah, you're always, I think you'd be naive and negligent if you, uh, you're always uh, not aware of, you know, uh, you know, the potential. And that's why, again, from uh, whether it's year to year or it's week to week, you know, since I've been coaching, as long as there's been signaling, you know, where you, uh, you're always on both sides of the ball, always uh, changing up your signals and uh, things of that nature, even the hand signals on the field you know, that the players will do amongst each other. I'm a little bit different than most people on this because the way I kind of look at it is if you got the technology and the means and everybody can do it, then let everyone do it. And think think about this for a second. Somebody has to go videotape the signs. Another person has to 
record the game, has to video the game. So you've got to video the game, you've got to video the signs, you've got to sync them up, and then you've got to write everything down. That is a time-consuming process. And if you're willing to go through that time-consuming process to beat an opponent, I can't hate on you for that. Look, cheating has happens all over sports. I just cannot hate on you for that. And, and what I say is, hey, the guys who aren't doing it, maybe you need to step up your game. I said that when it happened to the Patriots. I'm saying it now when it happened to Michigan. All right, my prediction on this game, I think OU actually covers. Of course, I predicted that last week. But I think Sooners get back on track this week. Knock off Kansas. Get the cover. Dylan Gabriel has another monster game. And when we come back next week and we talk Bedlam, We'll be talking about Dylan Gabriel being the front runner for the Heisman. Also, next week's podcast will be a little different because we're going to reflect on Bedlam memories. Considering the fact that this is the last Bedlam game for a while, hell, this is the last OU Kansas game for a while, last trip to Lawrence for a while. So if you're making that trip, please be safe. Uh, But we're really just going to reflect on Bedlam and overall what it means to OU and what it means to the state if it actually means anything. So we'll get to that next week. But until then, may God bless you and your family. It's great. Jackie Moon always says everybody love everybody and quote Don Cornelius, love, peace, and soul.